Hello and welcome to the EBRD Star Venture Podcast. Today we have with us one of the top investors from the region, Milos from Omorica. Milos, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about who you are? Hi, everyone. First of all, thank you for having me on on the podcast. Just super happy to be here and explain what we do. Yeah, and and thank you for that, top investors from Southeast Europe. Yeah, my name is Milos. I'm uh, I'm a founding partner of uh, Omorica Ventures, a newly founded VC fund based out in Serbia. Um, still in the fundraising phase, though, but it's Omorica is designed to be a seed stage fund uh, covering Western Balkans countries. Intention is to be the grassroots investor, um, first one in helping founders build the companies and scale them, scale them beyond the region, actually targeting the global markets. Like an elevator pitch of every VC you're probably going to hear. But the secret sauce of of our work is a little bit different. Maybe I can explain throughout the episode what it is. We came as a group, we came into the, the VC world through angel investing. That's why we started ICT Hub Venture back in 2017 uh, with, let's call it an exclusive group of business angels, eight of them, besides two of us, actually to- 10 in total. Individuals committed some capital and and started investing before angel investing was even even defined in the Western Balkan region. Uh, back in the day, the, the ecosystem was still underdeveloped, so we thought that maybe maybe we can push the ecosystem a little bit further. Access to capital was was a huge gap, especially for pre-seed stage startups. So we decided actually to test the market and see if there's any any room for VC-like investments in the region. The people that invested with Rice Adventure, I can call them pioneers and I can call them my partners. Together with them, we invested in 11 companies in a pre-seed stage throughout since 2017 to, to today. Uh, experience was great. We had some success stories. We had some failures, a lot of lessons learned through through the work with the companies themselves, with fellow investors from Europe and the United States who invested in our companies at the next stage, at the latter stage. So we're confident that we bring experience into Morica. And then we found, a, we think we have a, a defined secret sauce that we want to, when we talk about uh, building portfolio startups from this region. And besides that, I'm also an entrepreneur. Uh, I had a startup back in the day. So I have some operator's experience that comes in handy when you work with, with early stage founders. That's for now. And Milos, are you currently investing in a particular focus of startups, particular stage? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. I mean... I still have venture invested in, throughout the region. We have some, most of our investments are in, in Serbia. So we are more ge- geographically focused uh, on, on Southeast Europe, uh, more specifically Western Balkans and the six countries. But we're sector agnostic. Our, I, I believe the ecosystem is not ready yet for specialized VCs. Time will tell what verticals and what uh, what industries are specific for this region and what we can focus on. There's some movements in biotech and cybersecurity and AI, but st- still 
it's early stages of development. So we cannot be sector focused. Stage fo- stage focus is is uh, for Omorica is is seed stage. So practically, as soon as the startup has first revenue in, uh, I mean, when I talk about revenue, I think I think about ten thousand euros MRR, two to five co-founders in team that are committed full time to 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 the startup. And practically, that's that's general criteria that we're looking for in a start initially. So seed stage for America, focus on geography in Western Balkans and sector agnostic. Can you share the story of one of your best investments? Sure. Actually, it's one of my one of my one of my favorites. So I cannot say it's the favorite. It's 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 a company called Trickist. It's a cybersecurity startup, and I believe they're they're one of the best startups we have, at least here in Serbia. Actually, we we got to meet the founder Nena. Both for the founder, Nena about they told good stuff about us, and they told me good stuff about Nena. So we sat down and met in late 2019, um, when. Trickist was only an idea. So practically, Nana is a cybersecurity engineer, ethical hacker that lived the problem of, of the gap, of, of, of lack of actually cybersecurity tools and workflows. Everything that he does as a cybersecurity engineer is, is practically coding the, the command that, that he needs to execute on or test some security component of digital products. So he, he actually worked for Fortune 500 companies as a bug bounty hunter. So everything was public. He showed what the issues are he's facing as an engineer and his fellow cybersecurity engineers as well. And we followed that development of idea into the MVP. We actually advised the, the, the founders actually to, to build the co-founding team, which he did in a matter of months. MVP was, we met in September, MVP was done before end of the year and tested in, in February 2020. And we committed to investing into, into Trickist. But pandemic actually came on our way. So we had to improvise how we're going to do it until mid-2020 mid when we committed and invested pre-seed investment about few tens of thousands of euros into the MVP, practically the prototype of the product. And as soon as we invested, we started working with the founders on getting the new funding in, preparing to sales, preparing, preparing the sales and marketing, preparing for the next stages of, of business development. And we worked week in, week out. And less than nine months after we invested, we brought, we introduced the founding team to Credo Ventures, Early Bird, Digital East, and a couple of other investors that join in. And in a matter of weeks, they invested in Trickist for, at the time, was 1.6 million euros. So that, that favorite investment actually showed us how we, how we need to work with, with the startups to get interested, interesting for, for bigger investors and giving them a chance to scale globally. Trickist right now has, has 50 employees, raised another round, and it's leading, leading the way in cybersecurity, at least in this region. So preparing to actually expand beyond Europe and, and US. So it took us, I don't know, 
three years to, of initial investment from our end to actually them having a good product on the market. And that's that's plastic example of what we like to call founder market fit. Founder knows an industry, found a problem, lived through the problem and developed a solution that everybody can relate to. So it's it's a perfect, perfect example of founder market fit. Thanks for sharing that with us, Miloš. Now, looking back at it, what were the hints from where you could see that the deal would be a success? Oof. I mean, st- still, it's a success story in, in the making, but that deal, I mean, the hint was that Nena actually showed showcased how what's the modus operandi standard operating procedures for for cybersecurity engineers and how trickiest product is solving that and then he tested it live and then gauged interest through at the time it's called twitter now it's x platform everything for cybersecurity happens there and we started publishing the, the news and gathering the community around it in a matter of months, everything everything fell in place, and they built a huge waiting list of of, of potential users, paid users, and ju- I just said, okay, I think we have we have something here. And I mean, the, the waiting waiting list was a couple of thousand people, so it's not small. Um, and the people came around the world from Japan, India, then South Africa throughout Europe and then Brazil, Argentina, United States, Canada. So actually geographically diverse the the problem they're trying to solve and try backing up the also the enterprise clients, seven enterprise clients came in. So all of those initial market signals were 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 the ones actually pointing out that this is a good investment. And the first client from Hong Kong actually said, okay, this is it. As soon as they got that one, that client. If you take a look at all of your successes from this point, has there been any specific founder trait or skill that has stood out that is linked to the success? Yes, definitely. Maybe throughout the first one is like explained throughout the trickiest story. Founder market fit. If the founder actually lived through the problem and and, and knows how can relate to the to the target audience. And second thing is that I cannot stress enough is is sales skills, people skills. We have a huge problem here in in at least Eastern Europe, Central Eastern Europe where sales is a skill that's chronically lacking for, for founders. And if the founder is, is able to sell, it's able to, to successfully manage all the stakeholders, including investors, key clients, all of that, that's a killer skill that, that every founder should, should actually focus on. Every team needs to have one actually CEO who can sell and who can market and who can negotiate and who can be a people's person. Could you share the story of your worst investment? Oh, that's a tricky one. 
actually, I mean, we had failures out of the 11 investments, five uh, dissolved. And I believe that we misjudged the founding team in one case and invested in them solely on on a on a on a trend that we we actually saw happening and potential that that we did but then the founding founding team didn't commit or actually quit their jobs and fo- solely focused on on building building the building the startup so actually we 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 lost investments within within few months uh, of, of our initial investment just because the founders started arguing uh, we didn't do a proper due diligence on the on the founding team, and and actually everything fell apart within within a few months. So, great lesson learned. That's why we only focus right now on extensive due diligence of the founders, reference lists, and so on and so forth. I'm sure that you've seen many pitch events. So I wanted to ask you, what is the most common mistake? that you see when people pitch to you? Like as soon as you see it, you say, this is a hard no. First of all is a bad problem definition. Like many of the founders just love to talk about their products. When you pitch and you have three to five minutes to gauge interest from, from investor, from a target group, from a client, potential client, talking about solely on product, is big no uh, and afterwards explaining the the market and explaining the go-to-market strategy in brief in broad strokes coming back to the previous one of the previous questions founders are not comfortable selling and not comfortable talking about but uh, potentially sell uh, how to approach the target audience because probably they didn't define it properly uh, they didn't even um, try to find a way to actually showcase a good a good sales sales process or go to market strategy again, and that comes back to that chronic lack of sales skills. And when you when you also I love this one because there's also a meme that shares around when somebody tells me that they don't have direct competition. As soon as they, as soon as I hear that, I say okay. That's a hard no. Not even gonna trying to dig in a little bit deeper on that because today in today's world, you, you surely you have a, some sort of competition. So those those uh, cutting cutting in short, those three things are just triggers for a hard no. So in your introduction, you spoke about a secret source for investors. Can we ask what that secret source is? Sure. I will try to be brief and explain about it. Again, sales for startups right now, and especially in today's world, is 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 imperative for, for staying staying afloat. So many, many of us of our fellow VCs, at least in the region, don't focus on on properly supporting startups in, in, in that respect. So what we're trying to do from a get-go, from, from the day one, we work with startups and make KPIs and, and work on, on uh, setting up the go-to-market strategy, setting up all the, all the usual stuff. But then again, 
we run through a workshop for go for both for fundraising strategy and for for go to market strategy or actually strategy for for expanding the business in any way including hr new clients everything um and what i learned when we go through go through the fundraising strategy workshop and you have a few canvases that we went through go through defining ideal investor trying to for, for, for us realize that not only financial or the number on the check is what what it counts there's something behind that check of itself that and it's also important to to account taking into account when you're making a decision who to who to invest in your business so we outline everything and create as you have a business model canvas that's where we have fundraising fundraising strategy canvas long run so we start map, mapping out all the exit possibilities in the, in the best case scenarios and they reverse engineer all the steps needed for the company to get there and all the key milestones that need to happen including the numbers all the KP, all the metrics that startup needs to follow churn rate sales the uh, sales number of sales pipeline worth pipeline dynamics everything everything needs to be there and we put logos of all in perfect investors to support that support that startup in each phase and when the when the founders visualize that process and visualize that canvas and keeping them in front of themselves in front of the team something clicks in them i don't know what but they they start realizing this game is a long long game and we tested this method uh, this is one one only one part of the secret sauce but we tested this with five startups now and they became break even and raised next rounds in less than a year from our investments initial investment and they're now businesses they're break even some of them are slightly profitable but keep expanding and keep scaling after five years of of our initial investment they're long way from from exit yet but when you look at the success rates of of usually the the vc funded startups that's a pretty good success rate besides that uh, what we envision also for amorica is to have some sort of uh, platform support for all of our portfolio companies f- from every aspect of, of building business legal hr having cfo as a service having head of sales as a service chief marketing officer as a service all of that it people who are experts in the fields plus our advisory board should open their networks open their knowledge and and the time uh, to actually support the startups that have a sole focus on on sales and building growing growing the growing the company so y- you see that product is not our primary focus it's mainly sales and, and business procedures product will fall later on but first of all the first rules of business is get the sales going and that's a chronic shift at least for southeast europe startups again coming back to that that they're more product focused less a lot less focused on on building business and, and sales and i can talk about the secret sauce for quite some time but i'm keeping it brief Oh, well, thanks for sharing the tip of the iceberg with us. And I wanted to ask you, what potential do you see in the Western Balkan region and why? 
oh, I'm I'm super bullish about this because I'm betting on the region expanding and and coming becoming a place for many startups to actually get 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 rolling. Many, I mean, there are some sub sub ecosystem being developed right now under under small umbrellas in the region. Uh, we have uh, blockchain, we have cybersecurity, we have smart food. Now biotech also comes in comes into play, and next next year probably AI will become even bit bigger, better focus. So all of those sub ecosystem are being developed right now, and I believe that since this is the region that doesn't have unicorn yet. On the on the global maps, global map of unicorns, that next unicorn will probably come from this region, and we have some good candidates for that. But we will see in the next three to four years if this is this is gonna come true or not. But what I expect from this region is those two things: get the unicorn going. I can pledge publicly that Tenderly is the one I'm counting on. That's a blockchain startup. One of the flagship startups from Serbia. That's a good candidate for Unicorn in the next three to four years. And I expect that now the whole Western Balkans will will somehow unite on the matters of startups and, and funding and everything else related to that. We have Western Balkan Startup Alliance that we we are one of the founding members of. And we have exchange of information, exchange of startups, mobility of startups happening throughout the region. So I guess that that's a fertile ground for for something great to happen in the next next years. Uh, so I expect that the ecosystem will get connected throughout the region, uh, build verticals in 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 um, in Serbia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Montenegro, North Macedonia, Albania. All those countries will will develop a competitive edge, so we can actually see more substance in every country, every sub ecosystem. Great. We're now coming to the end of our podcast and the three super fast questions. So how this is going to work is I'm going to ask you three super fast questions. And why they are super fast is you can only answer with one word or one sentence. Are you ready? Oh, challenging. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I have a sneaky suspicion on this one that I'll ask it anyway. Is there any country we can expect massive growth from? Yeah, I, I guess your substance is correct. Serbia. Yeah. What is your favorite book for entrepreneurs? Ooh, tough one. Mm. Yeah. Uh, David Rockefeller memoirs. That's a story about how the entrepreneur needs to think, think about in the long run. Not too famous about it. But one of the good good things. If you had to give a piece of advice for all startups to see on a billboard, what would it be? Just sell. Just those, those two words. Just sell. Because sell. I mean, I cannot stress it enough, especially at least I'm, I'm boring people here around me. <laughs> sales is the most crucial skill for a startup to actually uh, be successful. So sales. Yeah. I can believe that. Great. And what a great way to end our podcast. Thank you so much for being here with us, Milos, and sharing all your 
very insightful advice and stories. I'm sure there's lots that the audience can get from this podcast. And yes, thanks for being here with us today. I honestly hope so, Marianne. Thank you for having me once again.